Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we got our tight end draft preview, which is a huge, huge need for the New York Giants. So uh, very exciting to to touch up on the tight ends for this draft class. And they're all, you know, it's not, we're not missing out on the top guys if we go value because there's really no top, like, you know, round one, top of round two guys in this class. But there's a lot of guys you like who could think can be decent players. And the Giants don't have a tight end really besides Ricky Seals Jones and Chris Meyer. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner is going to touch some tight ends this episode. Hi, everyone. We have uh, Tim Hasselbeck. Days until the NFL draft. Tim Hasselbeck was back at quarterback for the Giants in 05. War number eight. Kind of forgot about that until I looked it up before we recorded. Excited to talk about some tight ends, Bobby, and I'll touch some with you too. I don't think I said that. I think you're trying to put words in my no, mouth. No, you said we're going to touch up on some tight ends. So you did say that. Okay. Well, first, touch uh, some tight ends. speaking of some tight ends, this episode was brought to you by Dan Christian. He's a... Uh, we had a we our first ever like editor's name was Chris. How about that? Yes. I wonder, wonder how he's doing. He's a he's a Division one athlete, or he's going to be a Division one athlete for volleyball. Shows you how we were uh, using child labor. <laughs> uh, ben Mazzulo, who's a he's part of the world beater tier, and we got in all capital letters Curse Basilicato. So I'm going to announce it like it's written: Kurt Basilicato. All caps. And then Craig Savitsky, who reminds me of Dirk Nowitzki. Justin, who are these people? All these people went to Patreon.com/slash Talking Giants. Update: I didn't throw away both of my Hog Molly shirts. I threw away one. I have one in white that I threw away. But I, I thought I had a second one, and I did, and I found it. So I'm wearing it today for everybody that's really concerned that I didn't have any Hog Molly shirts, so I don't need to order more. And you can win one of these shirts, and then we also have more shirts, uh, two times a month if you become a patron, because uh, we do shirt raffles, plus some other tiers and plus some, uh, some other benefits. Thanks to our patrons. All right, Justin. The tight end position. We go into this draft with nine picks, two third-rounders, a fourth, uh Two-fifths. And a sixth. And a sixth. Um, and this is, that's like the, you know, when we have our multitude of picks, you know, rounds three through six, it's like, okay, it's like you really feel like one of these t- picks will be a tight end. Like the Giants have a, like Ricky Seals-Jones really isn't a start. He's not a starting tight end. And then after that, you don't even have another backup tight end unless you crown Chris Myrick, which is much as fun as we have with Myrick. He's not you know, he's, you shouldn't be going to a season with your, your, as him, as your tight end too. I think the Giants can come away from this draft with two tight ends. I really do. Like, look for two different types, and we're going to hit on some different types of players in this. But I also, and I've had this point for most positions, but I also don't want the Giants to force a need. You know, if they think there's a better player, if every draft pick, uh, pick comes up and they think there's a better player, then the tight end that they have, like that's their next on their board, Justin. I also think they shouldn't force it, and they can go into you know signing some scraps, you know whether it's Lee Smith or whoever, uh, and and go into the season with a bad tight end room. You know, it's not like going into the season with a bad right tackle. Um, it's not optimal. And again, I do want them to come out of this class with uh, a tight end, and I'd rather two tight ends than zero tight ends. But I also don't think they should just force it just because tight end is such a huge need. I don't know where I am, man. I don't know where I am because I feel like it's a lose-lose. If you're not getting a Trey McBride, if you're not getting one of these top five tight ends in this class, 
Therefore, you would be passing on another good player. Let's say it's 67, 81, 112, right? I feel like that's that's the sweet spot. If you're going to walk away with a solid tight end in this class, it's 67, 81, 112. That's, kind of, that's where the sweet spot of where I think the run of tight ends will be. So if you're not grabbing one at those picks, then you're probably going to have somebody like starting or do you want Ricky Seals Jones? And at that point I go back and forth because it's, it's a tough spot that the giants are in with this, with this tight end position. Um, Yeah. I feel like you want to say something. Well, no, it's just, this roster is not going to look good this year. There's going to be some huge, you essentially, here's what I'm saying is you're not going to fill every hole on this team in the draft. And even if you hit every position of need in the draft, like each each draft pick is a position of need. You're not overdrafting from one spot, and you're not going for a luxury pick like a, a wide receiver. Well, guess what? Like, not all nine picks are going to be good players. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's just more the basis of my argument is like, you know what? Round, more, especially in rounds four through seven, the likelihood of those guys becoming good players is very low. So get the players that you think have the best chance of being good players and not necessarily fill the holes. That being said, I think there should be a tight end there. You know, when we do our final mock drafts on draft day, I think both of us will probably have a tight end there because we'll feel good about it. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that we feel good about the player like, hey, being a starter, but they just need bodies. Uh, <laughs> they they need bodies in the tight end room. They need bodies at in the safety room. They need bodies in the corner room. Uh, there's a lot of areas on the Giants roster where they just need, they kind of need human beings with pulses in those rooms right now. And tight end, you can make an argument, is the one that is most dire. Really sucks that Caden Smith got hurt. Because yes, we could finally It could finally be Caden Smith tight end one time. Um, but and then we're looking but, at this saying, "Hey, we 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 don't need to take a tight end, right? Like that 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 would be the talking point where it's like, yeah, getting one at the latter stages of the draft, or even if you do want to take a Trey McBride, right? But now it's like, well, who knows what we're gonna get? And you know, I, I maybe some people are a little worried about reaching for a tight end. So we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll break it down by a player by player basis here. Well, let's get into the player by player basis, and we're gonna go according to my rankings. Um, I have I have Greg Dolchich as third, but we hit him on the mid round draft prospect podcast with Nick Filato, so we're not gonna talk about Dolchich. But quick, is he the best fit for Dable's system because of his speed and his uh, you know, his long strides and stuff like? That? Is he the best fit for Dable's system out of this class? Do you feel? I just I don't think anyone who doesn't block well is the best fit for anything. I'd agree with that. You know. But if in talking about just the passing game, yeah. He's probably the best fit for any team if he's, if you're if you're eliminating the fact that tight ends need to block and and uh and do other things besides just be fast as hell. Um but I do have him as as third on this list. But the guy who I have number one, and this isn't a hot take, I think a lot of people have come to this as number one, and that's Trey McBride, tight end out of Colorado State. In fact, in our, my way too early uh, midseason uh, mock draft, Justin, he was like, I was like, wow, who's this guy from Colorado State? Just randomly watched him. Like, this guy's a beast. Obviously, he's not going in the fifth round like he was projected at that point. He's, he's projected a much higher. He's six foot four, 246 pounds. Put up a ton of production at Colorado State. This past year, 90 catches, 1,100 yards, only one touchdown, so that can be a little alarming with a 74.5% catch rate. Justin, here's something else. He averaged 78 yards per game on 75.2% catch rate. That's crazy mm. the last three seasons. And, and, and 
I think his QB and offense left so much production for him on the field, whether it was just missing him or not throwing it to him. Or there's so many times where it's like, why are you forcing this throw when you have Trey McBride wide open underneath, you know, on a drag route or whatever? So he put up a ton of uh, production. I, I want to go in each of these players, like athleticism, blocking, and then route running. Overall, athleticism is athleticism is good, not great. Like his, his long speed is there, and he's got good agility, but his get off is average. And then blocking, I think he blocks with a good pace and base. Uh, needs to stay more connected on the blocks in line, but he just looks the most comfortable blocking out of all of these guys. There's some guy besides Jelani Woods, um, but he just looks comfortable as a blocker, and you re- you realize he's going to get better at. And tight ends do get better at blocking at the NFL level. Um, but I think it needs to stay more connected uh, in line. And then obviously you can use him in like the in space and like whams and lead blocks. Here's where he separates himself. He utilizes the entire route tree. Works leverage really, really well versus yeah. man with physical releases. Like there's no slowing him up off the line of scrimmage. He's going to get off and he's going to work leverage extremely well. And he gets in and out of his breaks quickly and crisply. Uh, the one thing I think he would need to be better is in verse zone just needs to be better selling and manipulating the defenders versus zone. Um, but I think his best trait, Justin, is he's just great in contested catches situations. He we saw contact. that at the senior bowl. Yeah, really in the rain too. Just great hands. He's the adjustment, uh, his ability to adjust box out and snatch the ball out of the air. And I keep on saying, and this is great too with him. And this is why he's tight end one. He can scoot once he has the ball, and he's just a bruiser with yak. You know, like he has, like, you think of, con- when someone says contact balance, you think of Kadarius Tony, show up the uh, camp, buddy. Um, but he has contact balance where it's just strong. Like, he's hard to bring down, and he can make some moves and just stay up when you're like, I can't believe he stood up and added five yards to this play. I think he's tight end one, and it's an interesting year, Justin, where a lot of teams probably th- view him as tight end one, and they all think they can get a chance to this guy because he's not going in the top 15. Yeah, he's not going in the top 15. I mean, uh, I don't even know if he's a guy that you consider a 36. I, I just think that there's better football players out there. Now, I, I really do I really do like Trey McBride. I, I really do. He's an intense football player. I'm a sucker for intense football players. Uh, Bobby, you know, you mentioned his you know yards after the catch. He's one of the best yards after the catch tight ends in this class. Probably his best trait, like you said, body control and ability to catch the ball in those contested situations. We did see that at the Senior Bowl. He's not a, he's not a, I, I call tight ends that, you know, are bad after the catch and that are, you know, tight, you know, that, that are just tight players. They're slow. I call them thumpers. McBride is not a thumper. I mean, he's looking to run you over in space, but he also is just, you know, he's also a good blocker too. He's the most well-rounded player in the class. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very With confident. Even though I'm not, like, even though areas. I'm not sold, I'm not sold on him at 36 and I don't know if he's going to last to 67. I'm very sure that he's going to be a very solid football player for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you take him at 36, and I do think he'll probably be gone by 67. Like, that's where I'm at with McBride. You know, maybe not by much. I think he'll go, you know, I mean, Pat Framworth didn't go until, like, what, like in the 45, 50 range last year? Yeah, he and, fell. He fell, yeah. And we both like Pat Framworth, so maybe he is there at 67, but I think because he is the top tight end in this class, I think he'll go a little early, but it's not crazy to see him flipping down to 67. Um, and if he's there, I think – you know, it's not a slam dunk. Like you got to look at the board, obviously. But it's like I think if he's there at sixty-seven, he's at the top of all of our boards, if not the top guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and the thing, the thing with McBride, why I feel like he's not going earlier, is because he doesn't necessarily have anything 
elite part of this game. I feel like there's some good to great things a part of his game, but there's nothing that you're really looking at him. Maybe besides ball control, but also strength at the catch point. Strength at the catch point and the ability to catch the ball and contest the catches. So um, maybe that's the only part where you could say that his part of the, is elite, but you know the rest is just good. Yeah, but again, you look at the NFL, and we always fall in love with these speedsters, these guys, you know. And then you, you know, Kyle Pitts is like a one of one type guy, but you know, the Noah fans, you, you fall in love with these guys, and then you just see year after year, you find these tight ends that are like Trey McBride, who come in and are Pro Bowl worthy tight ends, and not, or, or I'll say, you know, top of the league tight ends. Um, and we just nobody falls in love with them because they're not burning you down the field. You know, and that's why Greg Dolchich is ranked number one by uh, some bigger people because Greg Dolchich is the guy who can burn you down the field, even though he has no blocking. He's a small frame and um, has some other areas of his game that aren't great. Um, you know, and that's but it's like okay, well, we got the one guy who's super fast, um, and, and it's a position that I think takes a is kind of hard to adjust to in the NFL. Okay, because you know what, these DBs that you're facing are a lot bigger, they're a lot faster, they're more physical with you. The blocking is a different level, um, and you're just not as much of a mismatch, you know. So it's, yeah. it's, I think it's a position that is it really takes some time to get like you get your legs in the NFL. But out of everybody in this class, like McBride is that guy that you predict that he's going to have the quickest transition, and then over time that he'll be able to adjust to that. So you know that Mike Ditka is still the rookie receiving leader for tight ends. Fifties, sixties guy, right? That's how hard it is to, uh, you know, adjust. and I think Kyle Pitts is second. Um, so it shows how many tight ends have been taken in the first round, top of the second round, and just haven't been able to come in and produce right away. Um, but you see these guys kind of grow into some decent roles. I'm going to look up Mike Dicko right now. Really a great football person when you think about it. Um, 1961 like- to 1972. He had 1,076 receiving yards his rookie year. Never elapsed more than 904 receiving yards for the rest of his career. So his rookie year was the best year. 12 touchdowns, and then never got more than 8 touchdowns for the rest of his career. Don't be hating. Um, no, I'm not hating. It's just kind of it's bizarre how his rookie year was his best year. Yeah. All right, next on this list, my tight end two. And this is my, like, like out there take surprise yeah, kind of is yeah and honestly i didn't expect to get at this point because you know we a lot of the good tight almost all these tight ends went down to the senior bowl you know which means we did some early prep on them but not like full reports so as a casual watch i wasn't in love with this guy when i watched him intently i found love and i think he's the second best tight end in this league but it's not going to be obvious to people you got to really look at his game and that's iowa state tight end charlie kohler six foot six 252 pounds this past year for Iowa State, he put up 62 catches, 750 yards, um, and six touchdowns. He had, you know, he had a lot of touchdown production over his career, over 20 touchdowns at Iowa State. Um, you know, uh, uh, over, you know, like a 62 to 67 percent catch rate. Justin, I think he's he's got that big Y inline tight end, but he does play more of a split out role. But as far as like as as far as athleticism, he's an above. He's got an above average speed with better get off. But again, he's he's not a burner. Like he, you'd never be confused for a burner. I don't think his blocking is good, but it's not awful. And he can line up in line. You can line him in line. It's not going to be the best thing. And I think there's room for improvement with there with his frame. 
and I and, and I think he's got like some decent blocking technique, but he just needs to bring some more nastiness to the blocking in, in reality. Yeah, which I think is weird. he he extends his arms pretty well, and I'm looking up his arm length right now. Thirty four um, and a half inch arms. He's got long arms. Probably the longest arms out of all the guys we talk about. He extends his arms well, and I think you know why. You know he has such long arms. You can see that really show up in his ability to have contested catches. Yeah, it's, it's, he's just got to bring some more nastiness to the blockings. But here is where he sets himself apart. He is an extremely smart and fluid route runner. Like it's beautiful when you watch. And in fact, I watched the Cover One guys uh, who we we reference a lot. They had him on for a film room. And it was like, man, this is some next level route running stuff from Charlie Kohler. And that stuff backs up from what other scouts say. It wasn't just like him going on their channel and they found a few plays. Like, no, it's consistent. And I suppose like he was like a 4.0 GPA, like just extremely smart. Uh, I have, I have stats on, I have uh, stats. I have something on that. He graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering and a minor in biomedical engineering, 3.99 GPA. Uh, and then he just had a he made an A minus in a biology class that he need to take that he didn't even need to take for his degree, but he just took it just because. The guy's smart and he understands the game of football and he understands everything about run- running. Um, he understands leverage and sell at an at an elite level. At an elite level, um, you know they were talking about just like a five yard out where it's like, hey, he was playing uh, outside leverage, so you know. Uh, I, you know, I started with inside leverage, broke outside, but I didn't just break out to the out route, which I could have right there. I sold vertical to get him out of place and then go out. And that's just like a five yard route. This is like Jason Witten level, like stuff, you know, like the Y, you know, the Y stick, like, you know, the, you know, Jason Witten, Jason Garrett, like cried at Jason Witten's press conference about why freaking stick, um, like really good stuff when he's playing against coverage, uh, zone coverage. He's just an unbelievable manipulator of safeties and linebackers to put that to s- just really sell and get those guys in the area that he wants. And then when he's playing man coverage, he knows how, like, he, like I said, to work that leverage. And I think he's going to draw a lot of pass interferences and holdings versus man coverage. Okay. Because they're going to, he's not the fastest guy in the world and safeties are going to think they can get hands on him and jam and then, and then ride in the hip. And they're gonna, he's gonna really kill them at the stem, and they're gonna, it's gonna lead to grabbing. And it showed up on film, so I think that's gonna happen at the next level. Um, when he's playing against cover zone, you know, in the shallow stuff, he just knows how to sit well, and he just finds the spot, even on like broken plays for the QB, you know, like, and I think that's an underrated thing for tight ends. Something Evan Ingram was like god awful at. Um, and he, like they use him in motion a ton. Uh, he would re- he reads defenses pre snaps, you know, like he kind of has an idea of what they're doing, he knows their tendencies. I mean, he's just, like he's he's a genius yeah. um and then uh catches great through contract he only had a two point he had like a 2.8 percent drop rate at iowa state so no drops aren't an issue um and then when uh he's not really a contested catch guy you know what i mean where it's just like throw it up and he'll you know contort his body but he does use his size to box out defenders where you're down the red zone you line up in tight you know, you line up in tight like the Giants did a lot. You split him out wide, and he knows how to run that, sell that slant, and then box that out for a touchdown. Um, but again, he's not going to be like a big contested leaper. Um, so, I, Justin, I, I fell in love with this guy. I, I was not expecting to fall in love with him at all, but I have him as a second tight end in this kind of weak tight end class. Yeah, uh, I have strong hands, and I, I'm giving him a little bit more credit to contort his body to make some catches, maybe a little bit more than you do. Maybe he's not a leaper. But, you know, when you're 6'6 and you have 34-inch arms, uh, you, you don't need to be the biggest leaper in the world. So um, 
just made his money in the red zone. Just the uh, Charlie Kohler, whether it was something going on at Iowa State or you know the, it was it was him. Just some, you know Charlie Kohler in the end zone. Uh, it was just a match made in heaven. You know with all those with all those career touchdowns. You know I have I have twenty three down. So sixty seven point eight percent of his catches were either a first down or a touchdown. Which usually I think you see sixty seven to seventy percent. Of guys of tight ends, you know, maybe they're getting a first down or a play's result in a touchdown. 76.8% of his catches, either a first down or a touchdown. So that's crazy, crazy high, crazy, crazy impressive. Uh, he was a center um, of a state championship winning basketball team. Like you see, a lot of these tight ends have. They have that basketball background, and he certainly plays like it too, while also being wicked smart. If the Giants land this guy, and not only land him, but like land him on day three, you're not going to see anyone more excited than me. Like, this will be, like, uh, you know, stake my reputation on guy. Like, no. This is a day three guy that I am going to get excited about. And I am going to put expectations on. Um, and then he'll have a bad first, you know, season. And then second year will really pop off. And uh, I'll give a big old t- I told you so tour on on the, on the him. Um, so, Charlie Kohler. Love you, bro. All right. Next on this list. Interesting player. We didn't really know who he was. He wasn't really on our radar until the combine. Um, and he's going to be 20. So he, he's in, he's in, it's interesting because I think it's, you know, I have him ranked fourth. But if you look at some other things, okay, maybe that slides him down NFL teams boards. But I'm just looking at these guys as players and not really putting age into the factor. Um, going to be 24, transferred from Oklahoma State, where in two years at Oklahoma State, this guy had 24 catches, a little over 200 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and just that was it. But it's Jelani Woods, tight end out of Virginia. This guy has the best tight end frame in the whole damn class. Six foot seven, two hundred fifty nine pounds, thirty four and one eight inch arms. Ran a four six one forty, which is great for that size. of twenty four bench press reps. Really did the best, like tight end wise uh, testing. Um, so you say, oh look, obvious ideal tight end frame can uh, run down the field fastly. So what's this guy's deal, Justin? He might be the best blocker out of all these guys. I I think he is the best blocker out of all these guys. Like he just he knows how to bring it from the start. He sustains. You know his like his feet are pretty good and and like I just think he's the best blocker out of all these guys. Do you agree or disagree? Um, out of all these guys we're talking about, I think McBride is better. Okay, I just think Jelani uses his frame, and again, Jelani's twenty four years old. Where McBride is, I don't know how old he is, but he's probably not going to be 24 years old. Um, so probably that comes with like a little grown man to his game in the college game. I mean, he but brings just, it though. I mean, that's that's the, if you're talking about guys that just bring it and, you know, he had zero block. He had zero blocking penalties this year, too, whereas some other guys have had some penalties associated with them, too. You know, if you're talking about a guy that brings it and he doesn't just bank on his size, Woods definitely gets the edge there, so. And he's got good speed too. Like his his long speed is really good, but I do think off the snap it's very slow and yeah, and like not just just not smooth at all off the snap. But once you get him up the seams, he's really quick. He's really fast, and that's where he'll do most of his damage. And that's where he did most of his damage was uh, down the seams for Virginia. His ten um, yard split. Uh, if you look at the um, you know his ten yard split and you and you measure it up to the rest of the class, it was an elite score. Um, out of 10, it was a 9.64 out of 10, his 10-yard split. His 20-yard split was a 9.72, and then his 40-yard dash, um, that official 4.61, was 9.32 out of 10. Um, he has the a relative athletic score, the best 
out of 998 tight ends from 1987 to 2022. Like you, if, if you combine the relative athletic score of your size and then the speed grades and the agility grades and the explosion grades, um, he is the best put it all together prospect um, since 1987. Yeah, you don't see tight ends like that, like that size run down the field no. like that. And actually, I thought he had better get off when he was split out uh, compared to at, at you know in line. Okay, so he's fast and he's big and can block. What else can he do? I think breaking off in breaking rounds, he does it really well, which makes him deadly in the seams. You know, whether it's post digs, um, you know, indie routes, I think he does well. But when he's, it's just weird. He's just a weird player because, like, when he's breaking outside of the hashes, it's just not as smooth, um, not horrible, but just not as smooth. And obviously, he's going to be a red zone threat with his size. You know, running, you know, big slants. You know, he catches the ball away from his body and his hands, and he can go up and leap. Like, he has some really nice catches. couple things that I don't like. Like I said before, uh, those outbreaking routes, he just – I feel like NFL guys are going to be able to stay in his hip, uh, which, again, with that size and speed, you can get away with a little bit. Here's something. He had a bad drop rate, 10.7% drop yep. rate. I think he kind of fits what Brian Dable wants to do kind of well with – Crossing routes that are going over the middle of the field and they can result in some 15, 20 yard plays, 20 yard plays, right? So if you look at the spray chart of where he caught the ball and where he was targeted at Virginia, you see a lot of by the left hash, the left hash between the 5, 10, 15 yard range. That's his hot spot. That's his sweet spot. And then I think, you know, hey, you go to the film. Well, what does that actually look like? Starting on the right side of the field. And then those one-cut kind of routes, he's catching the ball kind of in that range. So that kind of tells me, if you look at his size, his speed combo, I think that could fit Dable kind of well. 11 contested catches, which was the sixth most in the country for tight ends this year. Um, I think he's. I think he can be a matchup nightmare. And even if he isn't separating well, right, I think the fact that he can go up and he can high point that football and you're telling your quarterback, throw that football where nobody else can get him because Jelani Woods is just so big and he's so tall that nobody's going to be able to get to it. Cornerback's not going to get to it. A linebacker's not going to get to it. A safety's not going to be able to get to it. So even if he's kind of covered, he can still be open. And I think that he can be a matchup nightmare if the Giants, or if, if any football team drafts him over that middle part of the field, whether it's on the seam or Brian Dable likes to run those crossing routes. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. I do think the age thing is a little worrisome. You know, and he didn't put up production at Oklahoma State. Um, he's just kind of a, a weird player, but I, I I got him fourth, so I'm I'm sticking to it. Yeah, traits, traits. You you invest in the traits, and you know the why why the age is a factor is because he does have to you know develop a you know, hey you got to become more of a refined route runner. Um, you know, hey maybe as a blocker you got to be a, a little bit more under control. Um, some of these things. So, um, and the fact that you're already 24 can kind of put you behind the eight ball a little bit. Next on this list, Justin, who I think is the guy that my opinion can fluctuate on the most. I think he has the highest ceiling out of all these guys. Coastal Carolina tight end Isaiah Likely, six foot four, two hundred forty five pounds. This guy can move, man. Like he put up a lot of production at Coastal Carolina. He can like he's just a speedster. The issue is he's going to have to split out wide a lot. He's not an inline tight end, you know, which is a knock on him. And it's why you know with all these good things that I'm about to say about him, he's not at the top of the class. But he has really good speed and his get off is matched with it. And there's a second gear to it. Like he's just 
looks like he looks like he could play wide receiver with his speed. And again, he was recruited by a lot of schools to play wide receiver. And then it's like, okay, well, can he just runs in straight line? No, like he has the ability to sink his hips and just change direction really nicely. Um, so like athletic wise, like he can freaking move. He didn't run the 40 time, um, at the combine, but he had 36 inch vertical jump. Blocking is a huge issue. Like it's always going to be an issue for him in line. Um, Coastal Carolina even just they didn't even ask him to do it. Even when he was lined up in line, they didn't use him as inline blocker. But here's something that's interesting for a guy that is this issue as a blocker. When you put him against a second level or out on the perimeter, he has some like ama- like these great blocking routes where he's like bullying guys. Sometimes it's against smaller competition, so you don't want to put too much weight into it. But like down as a downfield blocker, shout out third year Letterman. He can have some like devastating downfield blocks. Yeah, I did say um, that. Yeah, but when he's in line, it's just not there at all. Like, it's just not. It's just not an ability he has. Some of the other issues, the route tree was very limited at Coastal Carolina, and a lot of it was scheme production, route running wise. Like uh, in that limited route tree, he does attack the stem really well, and, and again, he has like that ability to cut on a dime. But he just isn't a great route runner outside of that. Like, his routes are one speed. He doesn't manipulate his own defenders. He catches the ball with his body instead of grabbing it out of the air. And he has nice leaping ability and ability to contest catches. But I worry that I don't know if he's going to be able to be that contested guy in the NFL. Um, you know, because a lot of his contested catches situations weren't him just going up and high-pointing it. It was him being able to box out a smaller defender, already stacking in front of them, and essentially catching it in his chest. So... There's just there's so much to like, but it's like I don't know if he's going to translate to the NFL well. Yeah, it's tough. Him and Jelani Woods have that concern together um, about catching the football against your chest instead of going up and actually kind of grabbing it. Um, but that's Woods what, has like the wow catches. You no, know, he, he drops he does. it, but he has the wow like the wow high point yeah. where likely it's like this is a great contested catch, but like you just you stack this DB and you're still catching it in your chest. No, but you, hey, you, you you like you like the upside, right? Ton of highlight worthy plays. He averaged uh, twenty yards per reception, which as a tight end, this is kind of insane bananas. Averaged twenty yards per reception during a CCU's big twenty twenty season, um, and then he also accounted for Coastal Carolina's three longest pass plays from scrimmage. Um, in 2020 as well. We talked about how Charlie Cole is a really smart guy. Well, Isaiah Likely is a really smart guy too. Landed on the Dean's List, President's List, 4.0 GPA in each of his last three semesters between 2020 and 2021. But again, I mean, ha- you're a project tight end who's going to be a flex tight end in the NFL. Um, you know, how does that translate? And, you know, how, how are NFL teams going to use you like that? And, and are they committed to using you like that? Like, I can see a team having him second on their board for tight ends, and I could see a team having him ninth on their board for yeah. tight ends. Yep. Like, I think he's a, he's a, a very interesting player where, like, the opinion on him is going to fluctuate all over the place. Like, the 49ers, you know? probably ninth on their board. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, the next guy I want to talk about actually is someone who I think would fit the 49ers kind of well. But before that, I'm going to read an ad for SeatGeek. We love SeatGeek. Did you see the article about us partnering with SeatGeek, Justin, in the podcast? Well, it wasn't really us. Um, It was John Boy. I mean, we are John. We are a part of John Boy Media. Not us. We're no. We are. We're one of four shows that are presented by that SeatGeek is the presenting sponsor. What do you mean? I control F'd it, and I didn't see Talking Giants in the article. No, but there's if you listen to the podcast. We're one of only four shows that are presented by SeatGeek. Oh, okay. I didn't listen to the and podcast. And most of the shows yet. aren't presented by anything, to be honest. No, but, you're, you know. you're, that is that is very true. So I, I take Flex. I take it back. Flex. And I still can't get no damn tickets to the Orlando Magic Suite games, but you can get whatever tickets you want with SeatGeek. I can't believe we make $7 million a year in revenue. That Or not even a year, last year. 
Um, and that was just announced to the public. I, I actually, I can believe that. I can't believe that we just announced it to the public. Um, can I, now, can I say something? Now, does my half a million dollar salary make, uh, not make so much sense? How yeah, about ma- that? Makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't like when content creators kind of openly say how much their company makes. It may be, it may be part of the whole scope of how everything works, but I know some other, like we're friends with another content creator who kind of makes videos about how much the company makes. It makes me like uncomfortable, but maybe it's normal. I don't know. I don't know. I was surprised. Well, we like, we don't share anybody with our number, like our podcast numbers and stuff. We just show where we're at in the charts. But listen, this is about SeatGeek, not John Boy friggin' media, even though we're partners. Live events are back, which means you could get $20 off tickets to SeatGeek with promo code Giants. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, one, figure it out. They're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the app on our phones. I use it all the time. Um, even though I can't go to a Nets game when I'm in New York, I would like to go to maybe some sort of game. I'd like to go to a Knicks. Oh, shit. They're not playing. Is there a Yankee maybe... game? You've never been oh, to a Yankee game. Dude, I might be able to go to a Yankee game. Let me look at Yankee schedule. Yankees I'm gonna So I'm going to look at the schedule, and we can figure out, and we can tell people to go to SeatGeek and go to the same Yankee game as us. Section 422 has very cheap tickets. They're not the cheapest, but they are very, very cheap and that is well, kind of you don't need I, to go to section 422 you need to go to SeatGeek and use their deal scores rated 1 through 10 the green means good means red means bad but then go to section 422 cuz that's the one that I always go to and it usually always has a green a, a green deal score Orioles at Yankees all three Tuesday so I'm getting there Tuesday and we're not you recording go, Tuesday night Well, you want to go Tuesday night I think we should do that cuz we are recording Wednesday night so Tuesday night April 26th, me and Justin are going to Orioles at Yankees. How about that? Wow. And we're going to use SeatGeek. How about that? Whether it's football, concert, basketball, baseball, like us, festivals or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. Uh, SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good. Red means bad. You know what? We're going to get the best damn uh, score in the thing. If you're seeking, if you're listening to this, it would be a real shame if you gave us a suite. Do we still have like the John Boy Media suite? Yeah, there's a connection. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buying guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. All right, Justin, next guy on this list. The rest so of these would... tight ends, the gap is very similar, right? Yes, yes. Um, so this would be six on my list. We didn't talk about Dolchers, but it's the fifth guy we're talking about. And that's Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin. Six foot five, 250 pounds. Horrible combine. And the combine does speak to his athleticism, Justin. Um, he, but he's your typical inline tight end who will, I think, best be used as a safety blanket. But I think what he does well, he does really well. Um, and it shows up in the production at Wisconsin. For four years, he had over 30 catches. This past year, he had 46 catches. Um, you know, and again, look at the catch rates too the last three years. For a Wisconsin team that isn't very good at passing the ball and their quarterback kind of sucks, 75%, 70%, 77% catch rates without being a great athlete. Um, but the athleticism is an issue for him and it puts a ceiling on him. Like Jake Ferguson is not going to be the best tight end in this class. He's not going to surprise anyone to be the best tight end in this class. But I think he can be a really, uh, like solid one in the NFL. But the speed is, the speed is just not there. Blocking wise, you can see 
the ability to get better at it. Like I think he's diverse for any scheme. If I think he can work into a wide zone scheme um, as a blocker, but I think he just loses strength wise when it turns into a wrestling match. Like he's he's good through the start and he just loses like the end of his not able to sustain, which couldn't be an issue for a guy that we're talking about as being a simply a simple inline tight end. But the things he does well, he ran the full route trade at Wisconsin. Well, people say, oh, well, with the athleticism, he won't run the full route tree in the NFL. Okay, whatever. Caden Smith ran a 492. He can run the full route tree. But his route running overall to me is really, really good. His ability to sell and get leverage versus man gives him separation. It's not going to give him a ton of separation because of the athleticism, but it does give him separation. And then versus zone, like he knows how to tempo his routes. And he always, 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 always finds the right hole, the right place to sit yep. for the quarterback. Always. When he's pressed up or contact, it just doesn't phase him at, at all. And here's what I think his best trait is, is he has just some amazing contested catches, and he's like a real red zone threat. Yep. Um, he even breaks some tackles, even though he's not fast. So, yes. yes. Again, Jake Ferguson is a low-ceiling player who I think is going to be a good tight end, a safety blanket, maybe a tight end two in the league, You know, maybe a tight end one on some bad teams or, or teams that don't prioritize tight end. But I do think he's going to be a good player. Like, I think he's going to last in the league for a while. I really love Jake Ferguson. You know, I'm not th- I'm not saying he's going to be a great player, but I, I really love the football player that, that Jake Ferguson is and kind of limited by the offense that um, he was in. I mean, I will say Jake Ferguson, uh, he puts dudes on their ass. He's chipping. He's pulling as that kind of H-back, right? Yeah, he's, he's chip- a diverse blocker. He can do everything that's being asked. He just needs to get better at it and more consistent. Yeah, and I... My note is in terms of his improvement on uh, improvement on blocking, he needs to do a better job latching onto defenders and holding blocks. So that's yeah, the hands same. Are sloppy. That's the same critique. But not every blocking rep needs to end with the highlight finish. Like I almost felt like he was he's going for that highlight finish. He's going and he's trying to drive guys ten yards off the ball, five yards off the ball. Just win the rep. There's no need to to put on all this flair when you're blocking. Win the rep, you know, turn your body, you know, win, win that way. You know, no need to just always put guys on their ass all the time. Um, he was relied on for years at Wisconsin, which a lot of this guy and a lot of guys in this class, they, you know, hey, they had, they had one good year when they're as, as a starter. Um, but he logged at least 30 receptions in four straight seasons in an offense that's been bad uh, for for uh, quite a while. Ran a ton of seam routes. And runs the ball a ton. Ran a, yes, ran a ton of seam routes, and I love the way that he would add, that he would air some flair to them. Almost looked like they were sticking nods. Except yeah, he, at the stem, he just does a good job of working leverage, getting his hands in like almost like a swim move over. And again, he's not going to get a ton of separation on those because of his athleticism, but like he does get separation. His ability to make contested catches makes him a weapon. Now you can call him a thumper. Um, I don't think he's a stereotypical thumper. Like, hey, like a uh, um, first guy that comes to mind, Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State. Like, he's just the thumper. All right, you're, you're just gonna thump with the ball in his hands. He's gonna put two hands on the ball after the catch, and somebody's gonna come and swoop his ankles. But Ferguson is smart and like le- knowing how he can get yards after the catch in space. Whether it is lowering his shoulder, whether it is hurtling over those ankle divers. So that's what makes him a little different from a typical thump- thumper. Is that if you can hurdle, if you can put your shoulder down, lower man wins. So I really do like jake ferguson the only thing that puts a pause on me to hey if the giants are going to be drafting a tight end odds are you know are you going to be tight end number one right away because ricky seals jones is here so i i go back and forth between i think him being tight end one right away or him getting some sort of significant playing time right away it may affect the way that he develops as a player because he may be thrown into the fire and i would hate that for him yeah that's 
That's... But it didn't really hurt Caden Smith. I mean, he was kind of thrown into he the fire. He kind of reminds me of Caden Smith, honestly. They use him in the tight end screen game, too, a little bit, too. You mentioned him as, like, you know, being able to break some... Like, they use him as in tight end, like, in, sc- in the screen game. Not an exciting player. It would be like adding a younger Caden Smith with more years of control, but I do think he has the potential to be better than that. That's yeah. my and, final And Caden Smith put up really good production at Stanford, and maybe if he was at Stanford, he would put up similar production. Like, Caden Smith averaged, like, 75 yards per game at Stanford. Yeah. Um, Spoiler alert, I may be taking Jake Ferguson in, in, in the mock draft that we do. I, I, we'll I may. We'll see. I like we'll him see. that much. we got a lot of guys to go before that. See, I, when I did my last mock draft, I picked Austin Allen in the sixth, but it's like I just kept on getting each round. I'm like, I like these players more than the tight end. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's where that's where actually where I got the thought of like, no, don't necessarily force a tight end. All right, the next guy on this list is polarizing, and I'm just not as high on him as other people. And what I think is there was name recognition. He played at Ohio State, and people were like, oh, he's good. And then they started watching their tight ends, and it's like, I don't see him on top of anybody's big board, and I think it's uh, for rightfully so. That's Jeremy Rucker, tight end of Ohio State, 6'5", 250, because he looks like he has the frame, and he has some like really nice plays. But he, ha- he didn't put up any production in Ohio State, but I don't hold that necessarily against him because of Ohio State's offense. But his best year was this last year where he had 26 catches and 309 yards. Here's the thing. We we talk about all these other guys, and it's like, they're really good at this. I don't think Jeremy Ruckert has that really good trait. Like, let me go, I'm, I'm going to read it straight down the scouting report for him. Average athlete with decent straight line speed. Good frame, but blocking is average. Good footwork into block, but is shed easily. Strength issues. Hasn't ran much of the underneath route tree. Smooth route runner with ins, outs, and corners um, uh, down the field. Bad agility will keep him from separating an NFL. Sets up the stem well to get uh, deep past linebackers. Solid hands catcher. Good concentration through uh, catch and traffic versus blanketed DBs. Can adjust well to the ball, but won't leap for it. That's an average. He's, there's nothing that really you write home about in uh, Jeremy Ruckert's game. And maybe he'll maybe look dumb, but it's just like, I, I think... At best, he's a tight end, too. And again, we're talking about fifth-round guys and fourth-round yeah. guys, so it's like, you know, uh, not all these guys are going to turn the good players or starting players. Yeah, all um, these guys, uh, so we Bobby read an ad after the first four players, and now we're doing the, the last four players. Like we said, a lot of these players are kind of like in that same tier of, hey, you're good, maybe you could be good, you're probably going to be average. So um, I, I will say how to, he has a resume of one-handed catches, so it's tough to determine... Yeah, but- uh, no, here's the I think here's that's the reason why people fall open because you see those highlight one-handed catches, but that's not what that's not what makes you a good tight end in the NFL. Is, see is Clemson, some of these cool one-handed catches. See Clemson 2020, Wisconsin 2019, Alabama January of 2021. Um, there's there's fun one-handed catches, and I could see where people are saying he had 54 career catches, 12 touchdowns on 54 career catches. That's a touchdown every four and a half catches. And I'm talking about the, that's your career. That's not just one year. <laughs> it's your entire career at at Ohio State. He had five contested catches just this year. Um, so I could see where people are like, you know, uh, trying to project because that's what you're ultimately you're trying to do with Jeremy Record. He's going to put up better production in the pros than what he did at Ohio State because I think it's just inevitable if he's getting playing time. So it's just a matter of how much better is he going to be and how much of a projection is he. You're muted. That makes sense. Well, let me do the math in my head real quick. So if he starts 17, or let's see. he's play, Okay, so 11 games. Also this too. Only eight career targets of 20 plus yards. Five catches though. Only one career catch over 30 yards. So that's also one of those things where 
it's tough because is it on the player or is it on scheme of that they're not getting, you know, a catch of 20 plus yards or 30 plus yards? Like not, mm-hmm. not just, I'm not talking about air yards here. I'm talking about a single play, only one career catch over 30 yards. That's, that's tough to evaluate. And I think he's better working the deep stuff. I honestly do than he is the short stuff. But he averaged 28 yards per game for Ohio State. I don't I, – I, everyone keeps saying he's going to have better production in the NFL. It's like, okay, if someone comes in and starts him, can he have like 32 yards per game? Sure. Just by pure, you know, passing game and, you know, the way it is different than the uh, college where you're going to use the tight ends more than you do at Ohio State because all their wide receivers are balling and they're so vertical. Um but it's like, I don't view that as like, oh, he was held back by Ohio State. I just don't think he's a v- very good. I think he's a- I think he's average at everything. So when you're average at everything, I don't think that makes a good player. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, I like I like Jake Ferguson better than Jeremy Ruckert. But I think a Me lot too. of people a lot of people would adamantly say they like Ruckert a lot better than most guys in this class. Yeah. Tough for us. I'm just I saw it stuck in my head one guy who's pretty big um i don't think he's really a scout but he does draft stuff and there's a play where he broke one tackle gained two yards and fumbled and he's like i really feel like jeremy ruckert's tight end one for me oh. and i was like and he wasn't being like sarcastic at all yeah i was, just uh, that was a me moment last year with elijah vera tucker <laughs> but elijah vera tucker was really good though so you have yeah. that on on your side um Justin, read the ad, and then we'll get into Kate Otten and Chigo. Yeah, two more players left. Uh, baseball fans, we're going to a baseball game. It's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at Snacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play free for thousands in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up the points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOMBOY. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus, restrictions apply. MLB trademarks used with permission. See show notes for details. It was arguably one of the smoothest ad reads I've ever had in my life. Just kidding. All right, next on the well, list. What, what were you? What were you thinking about saying there? I was thinking about making something awkward, or I don't know. I just well, the awkward silence silent. was enough there. So there we go. Next on the list is someone that I'm not as high on as other people, and that's Kate Otten, tight end out of Washington, um, who's six foot five, two hundred forty-seven pounds. Um, not really good production at Washington, but again, they run the ball a ton. Um, but he's a true inline tight end. Like he's as he's as inline of a tight end as they get. He's gonna line up, and I think he's a good blocker. Like he's an extremely willing blocker with good technique. Um, and he does. A, he's an overall good blocker. I do think there's times where he can get squeezed down, but a bit again, he's an overall good blocker. Um, speed is average with decent get off. Like he's he's got just as good of speed as most guys in this class. You know, besides the Isaiah Likely's or or, or Jelani Woods when he's running in a straight line. Um, Here's the thing that has me low on him, though, Justin. He really struggles versus man when he gets jammed or gets hands on him. Like, really, really struggles. Like, it's pathetic how bad it is. And then you pair that with not having great speed. It's like, 
well, I just think you're going to have issues getting open in the NFL. Um, I just think that like that's too much of an issue for me to get over. But Verzoni does a good job. Um, you know, he's pretty crisp on his on his breaks. Um, but again, just not going to separate a ton. Um, good job selling at the stem uh, and Verzone finding the hole, but not as good as other guys that we talked about. Um, good hands to pluck from the air. And uh, he can move a bit when he's got the ball in his hand. But Justin, as I can't get over that when it's like anytime he got hands on hands on him, he was just like eliminated from a play. And I can't trust a tight end who has that happen to him. Yeah, I feel like he has a lot of experience at, at Washington. He was a four-year starter. Washington, Washington also has a good track record of producing NFL tight ends. Um, Hunter Bryant being one. Joshua Perkins, I feel like, is a name that I'm somewhat familiar with, but Hunter Bryant is the most significant one there. Um, I feel like he has a lot of success running in the intermediate part of the field, being successful there. But the thing is, is if you're being slowed down by, you know, some, you know, by by some sort of physicality in the secondary, then that's going to limit how much production you can have over the middle of the field, and especially if we're thinking about Brian Dable's offense of those crossing routes, right? If you have somebody trailing you and you're being slowed down, um, that's going to be tough. I have rounds as breaks instead of sharp cuts, which a lot of guys in this draft class have that uh, commonality as well. Um, he's not a thumper. Average, I would say Kate Otten kind of all over the place is a pretty average player all around. Um, that's what I would say. With the really bad area, this pop filter is really screwing me up with muting my mic. With the really bad area of, of when he gets hands on, he's bad, and that's why it's, you know below a guy like Jeremy Rucker. Um, so yeah, I'm just not a huge fan on him. I don't, I don't feel like belaboring it. Um, yeah, but there, but there is some good ability there. Um, you could say right. this is another guy that was limited by scheme and role at, it, at Washington. It was, it was. I mean, mostly targeted in the intermediate part of the field. Maybe should have been targeted a little bit more and on the seams. Is a willing blocker. He brings it. Um, He's a good you know, blocker. He's a yeah. good blocker. And you can even make an argument, 247 pounds, he can develop a little bit more strength to not just become uh, a willing, but to become a more well-rounded blocker. And hey, maybe if you develop a little bit more strength, uh, you know that'll that'll help you when guys are being more physical. So um, Kate Houghton's a guy that I know our, our guy NYG Daily Weiss, he really likes. So could, could be an option. It all depends on where, if the Giants are reaching for a tight end, then maybe we're having a different conversation. But if they take one day three, it's like, hey, we'll, we'll talk ourselves into them. We'll look at the upside. So, All right, last on this list, a very, very interesting player. And Justin, I'm going to say it. If the Giants draft two tight ends, he'll be one of them because he fits that H-black role. Mm. And it is Chigozim and Conquo. I think I pronounced that right. Tight end out of Maryland. Chig. He goes by Chig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chig can move. Chig can move. It's an exciting player. So I have him ranked below these guys because he's not just he's not like a traditional tight end, but it's like I would draft him ahead of other guys because like, okay, you find a role for him, but it's just a limited role. Alright, so listen to this player. Six foot two, two hundred thirty eight pounds. That doesn't sound like a tight end. It sounds like a linebacker. Ran a four five two forty, a thirty five and a half inch vertical jump. This past year for Maryland had fifty two catches, but only eight point six yards per catch. In two thousand twenty, missed a season with myocarditis, which is like some type of heart thing. It's a um, inflammation in the heart. Yeah, I I read what it is, but it's like I don't know what all these words mean. No. Here's what it is. He's a raw player who will fit the H-back role and move. You're going to move him all around. You're going to move him all around the field. Um, and we're like, what is H-back? It's like that mix between tight end and fullback. 
You know, where it's like you can have some receiving ability, you can line up in line, you can line up at fullback and block. Like it's it's an H back. Um, really good speed and burst. Just af- just overall really athletic, really athletic. And when you line him up in line, he's a really brings it as a blocker. Like he's a good blocker. He's aggressive. He's flexible. He uses feet. He brings leverage. He has hand power. The issue, though, people would say is because he's 6'2", big defensive ends are going to squeeze him down. Uh, but I don't see him ever getting disengaged. Like, he's a really good blocker. Okay, that's inline. Well, guess what? H-back role, you're not just going to be an inline blocker. You lose him, use him as a lead blocker, a wham blocker. He comes with speed and power. Like, and so we just spend all this time talking about his blocking. And this is a guy who's an athletic, like, not a freak. He's athletic. I won't call him an athletic yeah, freak. Yeah, Jelani he's, Woods he's, is an athletic freak. He's he's really athletic. He's not an athletic freak uh, when you think about the the fact that he's six foot two. Um, as far as in the passing game, his route running is just extremely elementary. Like he's not a good route runner, and it's all mm-hmm. one speed. Um, that being said, with that, his breaks, his cuts, they're very quick, uh, and ability like to you know to like his agility is really nice. Um, as far as receiving game, he's mostly used in motion and flats and drag routes, and he's just not going to be a part of the route tree. Uh, as like an inline tight end or even as a split out tight end. Um, but he gets real yak. Like he gets real yak yes. as a weapon. He runs like a running back. He has vision. He, yes, and he, he has great, great. I was about to say great vision with the ball in his hands. And he's someone you want to get going in a game. So let, you know, let's just refusal use. Refusal to go down. Just let's refuses use, uh, to go down. Let's use 2020 as an example with Caden Smith, right? You know, he had what? Did he have a hundred percent catch rate in 2020? Yeah. So you're throwing to a guy in the flat like that. You know, Caden Smith, more a little bit more of that stereotypical thumper tight end, right? If you're throwing Chig, if you're throwing a ball to Chig in the flat, I'm excited about what he can do because of his vision. Check out, um, I believe it's against Michigan State. I literally wrote this down. Might have been yeah, Michigan. Uh, there was a there. He had a touchdown on the right sideline versus Michigan State that was very impressive, where he showed off like power, his speed, the explosiveness, his balance to stay to stay inbounds. He was like he like jumped over a guy on the sideline. So yeah, he refuses to go down. You don't see guys like this on what probably will be day three. And that's what makes him exciting. You know, you're usually seeing these tight ends that are boring. I they I guess they block kinda well, but they're not gonna do anything with the ball in their hands. They're, you're you're gonna get your Red Ellison's day three of the draft and it's gonna be like, all right, this is just a body. But Chig, if you want a guy that can kind of get you a little bit excited about what he can do with the ball in his hands, and he kind of needs that coaching, and he's going to be, a, you know, you're drafting him to kind of be that backup player. Chig is a guy to get excited over because he is different from a guy that you, a tight end that you can find late in the draft. Yeah, and, and Grump, you know, the football Grump, uh, the Just Giants podcast, he was the one who turned me on to this guy. Um, you know, talking about the H back role and showed some clips of him. I'm like, wow, this is this is interesting. When you watch him, I'm like, okay, it matches. And the Giants brought him in for a top thirty visit, which is like you don't see day three tight ends come in for top thirty visits. In fact, I think the top thirty visits are all too top heavy. Yeah, do you have that opinion? I haven't been following that as much as I want to it's like, because I all been... the top prospects. What do you What do you mean? Like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon, Trayvon, Jermaine, like they just do all the top, like like the top fifteen on their big board probably come in for top thirty visits. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've also seen like James Cook is coming for a top thirty visit. Like for me, yeah, he uh, did too. Just as like a cat, that doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? Well, it's like not top your top 30. thirty on your board. It's just thirty players. You only get to bring thirty in. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like your top third on your board. Um, so Dumb but comment. 
This is listen. The Giants have flat out or not flat out said, but it's been reported they're looking for this H back role, um, and Chig fits that. So I think the Giants there's a really good chance they take him, and I think if the Giants were to take two tight ends, it's like a guarantee they take Chig. I'm for it. Guy that can move exciting day three. Don't just give me a thumper who's boring. Give me a guy that's exciting. How about that? How about that? We love we love Chig. All right, that's an episode. Tight end draft preview. We got two more left. We got running backs on Friday. And then the big finale, offensive tackles. Excited for that one. I still got to get some guys done for the offensive tackle class, but excited about it. Go check I'm excited out, uh, about talk about Charles Cross to our podcast listeners. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, before that, go check out Talking Football, uh, that channel where you've already done Evan Neal. You've already done Daniel Falele. You've already done Charles Cross. You did an Evan Neal versus Trayvon Walker matchup breakdown. You just I got did, the lineup for uh, Bernard Raymond one right here. I just haven't been able to get around to do it. You just did a... a uh, Ikemekwanu draft breakdown on Talking Giants, and you're about to do an Ikemekwanu versus Jermaine Johnson breakdown on Talking Football. So if you want, if you're like, oh, why haven't they talked about tackles? I'm really annoyed, really annoyed. Well, go over to Talking Football because Bobby Skinner has posted, I think, close to, I think, like 15 or 16 draft breakdowns on there. Plus, there's some other ones on Talking Giants. So, so we're on pace to have more done than we did last year. I think, I think there was one. I, I, why do I? If I'm looking at the playlist... Last year, I thought we did 18. And remember last year, I did one every weekday of draft... Or no, I did three a week for draft month. There are 28 2021 draft film breakdowns on this playlist last year. Okay, so I did do more. Okay. Yeah, you definitely Um, did more last year. Yeah, but some of them, I'll be honest, weren't great. It's like, because I guarantee... I promised to do... Uh, we us either have a podcast or a draft breakdown out every day. So it was like, all right, let me shoehorn Kyle Pitts in here, even though we're not going to draft him. All right, that's an episode. We'll see you guys on Friday talking about running back. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>